and welcome back to another episode of We Making It Woo. This is a weekly conversation into success so we can get some access so we can all what progress if you want to know what success looks like in your 20s just keep listening as always if you want to be a part of the conversation be sure to email me now when i say do you want to be a part of the conversation that's also like thoughts and love for the podcast but that's also like if you're like katie i would really love for you to talk about this one thing let me know I can make a brick wall talk. So I am here for all of the shenanigans. Um, What happened last night? You know, I didn't do much last night. I just, I finished, oh my gosh, guys. I finished Notes from a Chef by Kwame Onuchi. Kwame, I'm so sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. But guys, that book was so, 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 so good. I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, And then I went back to No Ashes in the Fire by Donald Moore. I feel like, Based on the first, because I think I'm gotten to like the 30 pages. I feel like Donald Moore is probably a great example. This is just my opinion. He's a great example of poetic prose. I think what he's saying is very um, just like nonfiction, basically facts. Uh, but the way that he writes, it's such a tender. There's such a tenderness. There's a clearly a, a creative use of syntax. He's really being mindful of how he's delivering the words. Uh, and it's a memoir. And I, I just like appreciate that. Like I've said to you guys before, I love memoirs. And so I'm not used to this uh, poetic, um, almost sensual textured language or use of language. So I'm really excited to see where it goes um so that's what i'm reading and that's what happened last night so let's get right into it so i hope you enjoyed last week's conversation with shafin seymour but now we're gonna go and shift gears a little bit to a conversation that i've been hoping to have about transitions this tour season is like helping us transition it's helping us find the things that we really really need to hold on to and kind of get rid of the things that we don't want to it's also uh i've been reading a lot about like self-worthiness how can you feel like you're your greatest asset especially when you're going through transitions transitions i think are a huge part of like what i'm going through right now which we'll talk about but i brought in a special guest to kind of kickstart the conversation for uh special guest can you introduce yourself yes katie Anderson. <laughs> thank you my name is preston miller glad hey, to be here it's a preston this is such an interesting concept uh first of all let us let me be clear y'all i've been trying to get preston on the air for what is about since february so what are we almost two months that's not a long time that's a damn long two time. months that's a long time that's not even i mean that's the end oh my gosh that's not even a long no two months that's not even a trimester Preston, stop playing. <laughs> so we're very, very grateful to have him on. He's a very, very busy man. He is needed and wanted. He's basically like cable, y'all. He is what? On demand all the time. I'm excited to be here. And so glad <laughs> so we can have you. So Preston, tell the people, tell the people, first I want to start with like where you're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take it back to like. 18 year old Preston what were you doing mm-hmm. let's start things off by saying that Drake bought a plane <laughs> we just need to establish that what I felt like this was the appropriate intro to what any conversation that anyone is having today tomorrow whenever you happen to be listening to this Drake bought a plane and not just a private plane 
a full-grown 737. Oh, he didn't buy a jet, like a private jet? No, 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 no. He brought a commercial airliner. Why would, oh, wow. Why would he do that? It must work for him. I don't know how, how many people he travels with. I don't know what his airline budget is, but I know that you can't afford to buy that type of plane just for show. So I'm not saying this for like, oh, Drake's stunting. Drake is making business decisions that a lot of white people that I've heard can't afford to make. And I'm proud of him. <laughs> it's great. We're I'm winning. I'm not really team light skin, but I am curious to see <laughs> how he could use this plane to help mitigate some things. I mean, he travels so, I mean, travel is a part of his daily budget. Travel is a part of my weekly budget. Travel is a part of his daily budget. And I'm only flying myself. I'm imagining he's flying out at least 20 to 50 people he's responsible for their airfare in some which way. And he makes money off touring. That's how he makes the majority of his money, which is literally travel. Yes, but if you have a full plane. Full plane. My thought, so I remember, shout out to Ludacris. I'm a huge Ludacris fan. Ludacris did an uh, interview with The Breakfast Club, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he would let people borrow his jet just, just like if a friend needed to borrow it. Okay. So my thought is, if Drake bought a plane, I would hope that he would be flying people out, like, outside of his team. So, like, he's like, oh, such and such need. Like, essentially, like, he could potentially create kind of like his own airline service. No. Like, no, no. You just gave him a whole dream for this plane that he didn't well, have Well, because what I'm it. trying to think of is, like, <laughs> he knows a lot of people. He, he needs to help the people now. Well, and he's in a position to do it because even if he is, let's just say he's flying 60 people, that plane seats what? A hundred people? No, but, but the plane is not, it's not a commercial airline anymore. The whole interior, when you buy a plane, you the interior is not the interior that American Airlines has. You rip that interior out and you put in whatever you want, whatever works for you. So if oh, you're like a so mother, it may, not it, could sit, have, it may not even seat that many people. It definitely doesn't seat. It's not designed to make money off of how many people it Oh, seats. and see, I really thought he was going to create like a small business to help No, people. no, no. You got to see the video on Instagram. It's really bananas. I'll watch it. It's really bananas. How does this relate to you being where you're from and transitioning person? When I was 18, I wanted to own a plane. <laughs> <laughs> and Drake is living dreams right now. <laughs> it's so. I was thinking this about Drake yesterday watching, I'm, and then I'm going to get off Drake. I was thinking this yesterday watching the Toronto Raptors game. This is a person who's doing all the things that I think a lot of people in my generation, a lot of men in my generation wanted to do growing up as fans of rap, as fans of sports. He's court-sided every game of his hometown, whether they're good or bad. He's in the playoffs slapping referees ass and sharing people on like it's a, it's he's living his dream he's living the dreams of a lot of us and it's great to see somebody doing it because i don't I know if people you. before that got to see that it's this is touche 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 yes okay it's, it could be possible all I right mean, yeah whatever yeah you know i'm a firm believer we out here making it so whatever whatever i dream of is possible you know as far what I mean? as i'm concerned come on this man wrote the words drake with a picture of an owl on the side of a plane i can do anything <laughs> I can do anything. <laughs> but really, though. So, what were you? So, yes, you wanted to own a plane. Yes. You're from? I'm from Chicago. From the west suburbs of Chicago. I'm constantly reminded that I'm not from Chicago by people that are really from Chicago. Touche. I'm from the west suburbs of Chicago. I claim Chicago, though, because I went to high school downtown Chicago. So, I had to take the train every day downtown. I spent most of my time out. That's where all my friends were. Yeah. You know, that was where I didn't grow up there. But I definitely spent most of my formative years okay. there. And I was a, uh, I went to a performing arts high school. Yes. It was in the dance department. Yeah. That's where I was introduced to classical ballet and like I was started off as a hip hop dancer, went there. So you started as a hip hop dancer? I didn't know that. Yep. And then so why did you, 
what made you decide to do classical training? Eighth grade told my parents I didn't want to go to college after high school was over. So I was homeschooled in middle school. Wow. Right? I didn't know that either. It's I'm I'm your typical homeschool guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Closer <laughs> mind is a couple of things. <laughs> just just awkward and just unpersonal. So <laughs> we had uh eighth grade, I tell my parents I want to be a Janet Jackson backup dancer. And that's, oh, I'm not wow. going to go to college. This is what I'm going to go to L.A. to do. Okay. So my parents thought that they would, like, trick me into not doing that by, oh, if you're going to dance, then you got to take it seriously. You've been on hip-hop, you know, as your gym since yeah. you're homeschooled. But now you're about to go to uh, performing arts school where they don't do hip-hop at all. You need to learn ballet if you want to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson. My dad is coming to me telling me this. If you want to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson, you need to learn classical ballet. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need wow. to wake up at 7 a.m. and take the 6 a.m. Take the train every morning at 6.30. You know, not don't come home every day till 7 p.m. Wear tights every day. Right. You know, like that That was the challenge. And I did it for four years. That's and amazing. That's did it. your dad and your mom go to college? Yeah. So this whole not going to college thing was just not an option. And they was just going. They, they went just, along with it up until like the last they went along. They would have been down if I would have come up with a plan, but I didn't really. My plan was to go to L.A. and, like, waiter or something like that. It's not oh really. Gosh, that's not. Yeah, that's not a plan. Yeah. So they, they college. <laughs> college. I only applied to one school, though. Which school? Fordham University. The good old <laughs> F.U. <laughs> and you got in. I got in one school. that They had the department with Alvin Ailey, the program. Yes. So I And at that time, there was only really two two great programs that were strong BFAs that had established like what I was looking for. What was the other one? Juilliard. Right. Okay. Juilliard, I didn't think I was good enough, so I didn't even audition. <laughs> Touche. I think a lot of people fall into that. And yeah. you realize it's not, you know, it's not, it's all in your head, but, or you don't, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, did, so I only auditioned for Fordham Ailey, got into there, balanced out, you know, the LA dream for a little while, and then ultimately picked Fordham like the last month, Dang. a month before moving in. And so, when you walked into Fordham, you were still at the point of like, oh, I'm about to still be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson. Or I had was, the dream started to include more people. I was at the point of I wanted to, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. I was there. You know, I was just, I was here to figure out what New York was. I was here by myself. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So you don't, and you didn't have any family here. Mm-mm. Did you come to Fordham with any friends? Mm-mm. One of my boys from high school was in New York working at Ailey at the time, and we were real close, so that was cool. Okay. But you know, it it wasn't it it was it wasn't scary or anything. It's just I didn't know. It's new. Yeah, and it's a, an adjustment, just like anything else. Yeah. So then, tell me a little bit about your. Tell me a little bit about how this dream is going to evolve after being at Ailey, because I know it's going to evolve. Because Ailey is Forderman's Forderman, Ailey is Ailey. Mm-hmm. So you get in the you get into the program, right? Right. And it's a serious program. Like you're you're really in it, right. and you're dancing eight to ten hours a day. And at that time, in that mind space, I didn't know what it. There's no one telling you like, here's why you're doing this. Yeah. There's just people telling you like, if you don't do this, you're a terrible person. Right. If you don't want to do this, if you don't want to wake up at eight a.m. and do this, you're a terrible person. No yeah. one wants to. Some people just understand the reason why. Right. At different times in life, right? right. Like why right. it's why it's worth it for them. Right. I that didn't happen for me in college. So there okay. were I was I had a great like physical natural talent, yeah. but like I wasn't really interested in working as hard as. 
the people that wanted to do this for their life. Yeah. Number one, it was an arts organization. I mean, this is some real shit. It was an yeah. arts organization that had been around for 50 years. Yeah. And Dudley Williams was Alvin Ailey's best friend. It was his best friend. Yeah. He turned down a contract with Martha Graham when Martha was starting the company. Yeah. Martha slapped him across the face because he, you know, I would have done it, but Alvin's my boy. Yeah. I'm going with Alvin. I'm going with the black guy, with my brother, right? Yeah. So, so he goes and does that. He's a legend in Ailey. He's yeah. a in this in this community, this little world, and I get there and he's teaching like his claim, the biggest thing that the organization has given him at this point, now that his best friend has died, all the people that he used to dance with are yeah. gone. He retired only at like seventy two, at like in like two thousand and I don't know if it was really seventy two. He he retired old. Right. Older than seventy. Yeah. He was still on stage performing revelations and is giving his life to this company and he's yeah. teaching Friday Night Modern and has to beg to teach that. Like, and I'm a freshman, mm. to me. Modern level one. Yeah. To an 18 year old who thinks he knows everything. Right. On Friday and he has to fight to do that. Dang. That's when I knew I didn't want to do this. Like that's yeah. when I really knew I I, I can't, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not about to be, no disrespect to that because it taught me a lot, but like that can't be, that, I can't be in that situation. What tell me a little bit more about how you process that because you are you identify as a man you identify as a man of color you from my understanding you at the time understood what hard work meant mm -hmm. and so tell me is it because it feels like a bit of a fork in the road like mm -hmm. I've been given this great opportunity I have these skills but this isn't maybe what I want to do I, yeah what like what how did you even move from that place. That doesn't, like at Ailey, that doesn't, at a place like that, you know, they're not really interested, at an institution, which if you're gonna become a professional dancer at some point, I recommend you, I mean, it's gonna be hard, really hard if you, do, if you don't get ingrained in an institution during your formative years, mm -hmm. right? So like, if you wanna be a ballet dancer, you need to go to your, this, the institution school and, you know, at some point, some way get involved. If you're an Ailey dancer, you need to, at some point, you need to understand the Ailey organization and how it moves and flows, yeah. or else that transition is gonna be really bumpy. Right. Yeah. And guys, if you remember the conversation around Leela and Zooey, this is very similar to what they were both saying about uh, just knowing who you're auditioning before before you audition for them Facts. so that you're not uh, sideswept. And also you're just not auditioning aimlessly. Facts. Yeah. Facts. You, or you'll get a job in the company and then be pissed off because of something that they've been, they've been doing it for 30 years. Right. You just don't know. <laughs> you the one who didn't know. Well, that and so like and then furthermore, if it's something that if they if they work a way that doesn't work for you then you, know. you can't really you can be mad obviously but then that's why you you build a rapport and so you want people to know you you want to know people and yes yeah, but i was just gonna say yeah you want to know people and so that if you if you really want to work for somebody then you know exactly why you want to work Facts. for them uh, whereas i think i know when i was younger it was all about the name and it was all Facts. about like being known uh Facts. and those things Yo, don't do you soothe you when your rent is due and like they are like oh we're on this kind of pay cycle or you know they have this way of communicating and you're like but i communicate this way all of those things play a, all of those things play a role into picking a job because as we've talked about before dancing is a job just like singing is a job just like right. writing is a job all of these creative pursuits that we are all engaging in are all jobs Facts. so they have to be as emotionally satisfying as they are financially satisfying facts and you just want to know it can't be about ego because these people will 
these people is is everybody right like there's no race color gender you know these people will tell the artist that they're so beautiful they're so amazing yeah you're the best person i've ever worked with you're the you're the one you know like these people will say that to you and then not pay you the minimum of what you're worth right and and tell you that you should be grateful for the opportunity right that's it's bananas and it's not to say this is this is not a car i don't want to make this i want to be clear that i am not mad about how people work i want everybody to just be aware yeah absolutely that's it because like for example my mom I'm going to use this example because, you know, it's my mom. And it's, like, about to be Mother's Day soon. It's going to be Mother's Day. Two days. Uh, yes, but you guys will hear this episode after. So, like, obviously, happy Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> All the mothers. My mom does not, under any circumstances, can I use profanity. Okay. At all. She's not going to like this podcast. Yeah, she didn't. We know that. Off top, um, sorry. The mom. closest thing I can get to like cursing would be like hell, and I still would have to say H E double hockey sick. I literally said shit on the phone with her, and I think it's because I was repeating what she said, <laughs> and she didn't catch it. Uh-huh. So I know, above all, if if profanity has to come out of my mouth, like me and my mom probably ain't gonna kick it right and i use that as an example because there are choreographers that um and and also let me let me flip the script because that's my actions um my mom will go to a church that has a church covenant that reads things that i don't agree with Mm -hmm. so i know that if my mom's going to that church i ain't going Mm -hmm. it ain't no beef or if or if i do go I'm not going to participate in this reciting of this church covenant because I don't agree with it. It's actually in direct conflict to my life. It totally is. not just like, I have just too many qualms, mm-hmm. but, and I think this is going around to a conversation that I will hope to have in the, in the future, but just like about boundaries. There are some people that you really may love to work with it, but you guys' boundaries don't work well together Fact. and they, and that's okay. I feel like sometimes, especially with ego and with name, there's this idea that because they look like this, that they're supposed to be uh, as good to you as you are to yourself. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I don't think anybody can be as good to you as you are to yourself. But furthermore, everybody don't operate that way. Yeah. And so how can you, again, just be aware and be mindful? Because like maybe you're willing to endure a certain amount of like boundary pushing for a little bit of time. That's mm-hmm. on you. I just want people to be knowledgeable about knowledgeable about those choices so that it doesn't become abusive. And for me, I think abusive is just patterns of being a treated a way that you don't want to be treated mm-hmm. and you maybe don't know about it. Right. And so that's my spiel on that. Yeah. So you were like, it's time to go. So did you leave? Didn't leave because, you, I mean, you're at Ailey. At Ailey, is, you don't, at an institution like that, you also, I also had this thing in the back of my mind that we're like, I did want to do it. You know, I do. Who who does? You know, go because you don't want to do it. You know, right. you want to dance. You want to be able to dance for the world's largest company that you you know it's, it's African American company that telling right. stories about that you love. Right. They're doing dance styles that you love. You want to do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to class every day. The teachers are telling you about that thing. But then you know, in the back of my mind, I knew number one, I'm not about to be played financially, <laughs> and just told that like you know, I, I I'm so thankful for the opportunity. Every time somebody would make me feel like shit in a rehearsal. A choreographer would say some shit that was just out of pocket. As a person, you don't talk to another person like that. Right. And their their base was like, you know, I should be thankful for the opportunity. 
that just every moment, every example of that in my life was like, all right, this, this, nah. This ain't gonna be for me. <laughs> it's too just long. not gonna happen. So you graduated from Fordham. Graduated from Fordham. Got my got two degrees. I think junior year of college, I switched over and decided to focus on choreography. Oh. And they didn't have a choreography track at that time. Wow. They had a choreography uh, like minor. It wasn't even a minor. They had a choreography like focus and a couple right. other students like Jeremy McQueen. He's he has the Iris Project right now. Shout out to him. Yeah. He was the main person that at that time had pushed. Get, getting your own performance as a choreographer. Right. And so I came up behind that and worked with Denise Jefferson, rest in peace, yeah. to create this choreography major. Right. That's and amazing. That was special. I got out of a lot of performances. I got out of a lot of abusive rehearsals. And I got to put on my own show. Senior year, I graduated with a degree in dance and choreography. My senior show had principal dancers from New York City Ballet, from Ailey, from William Ford. It was great. And I also just want to... I just want to offer too that like that sounds like in of itself its own transition. Like you literally paved a way for this to work, uh, and I offered as a transition because that wasn't necessarily the way the system was designed. Fair. Uh, and I wouldn't, based on what you're saying, it doesn't sound like you knew right away that you had these skills and you knew that you was about to just come in and wreck shop. It seemed like you had the re- you had some resources, mm-hmm. and you just did what you could to do with them. Well, there's some, I think like privilege, the definition of privilege for me anyway, is ignorance to certain things. Wow. And at that time, like in hindsight now, I realized how ignorant I was to things not working out. I really grew up privileged. Like shit worked out for me (laughs) all the time. Like my best friends will tell you crazy stories of shit just working out. And so at that time, when I made that decision, it was no now, I wasn't really confident in myself. I wasn't not confident. There was no, there of was course nothing. it's going to work. Oh, damn. <laughs> like that was really, we just have to do it. That's amazing. The older I get, the more I realize that was a very like special time and space to be in. And it's, yeah. I'm always trying to like have that confidence and that privilege no matter right. how many L's you take. Right. That's That was a transition though. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, I didn't even I don't think I realized it at that point that was but that was the first actionable. You know, I I went to as a senior in college, you're supposed to go to like five auditions. Yeah, I went to one audition and it was a private audition that Ephraim Sykes had got me. Shout out to Ephraim Sykes. He just got nominated for a Tony. Congratulations. Ephraim Sykes got me a private audition is the only I played myself so hard in that audition that Ephraim I've never told you this. Sorry. I played myself so hard in that audition and I hated the whole process. Every audition I've ever gone to, I've hated with guts. I only went to one and then just like skipped the other four and wrote them all. Like I played Madden in my dorm room or something and told him I went, made oh up auditions. I, it, it, I did not want to do this. Did you, okay, now you didn't want to audition only because, but yeah, why didn't you want to audition? The process of judgment is trash. Like this this whole, the the ego, it's, it takes a special, I've seen a couple auditions yeah. where the choreographer, the artistic director, really is in touch with how difficult emotionally this all is yeah. and really considers that. I have seen a couple yeah. that do it right. They they speak to you. They don't treat you like a number. Right. You know, there, there's some things. Frank right. Gatson does it right. Right. But like the majority are trash. The majority are trash and it's they have a job to do. I'm not here to judge them. Right. But like 
It just wasn't for me. The and stress it sounds of that like, wasn't I was gonna for say, me. And it sounds like by trash, you mean that the emotional labor of that experience was not worth the payoff. Because yeah. even if you got the audition. It's not for me. There, I, I envy people who have the fortitude to go stand in the line. And you don't even have the equity card yet. Going to stand in line right. for the hours right. to be seen with a group and hope that somebody looks at you. and Because at some point, it's going to break. They're going to look at you right. at some point. So, right. like, all you got to do is do it long enough. I'm, I can't even do it the first, the first. Let me tell you the story about the private audition. So I go to this <laughs> private audition. There's six other guys. One other dude I went to college with, and I knew I danced better than him. <laughs> I knew it off top. As soon as I got it, I was like, oh, shit, yes, he's here? Yeah. I'm getting it. It was six other light-skinned dudes, right? <laughs> and and three of them looked like they couldn't dance. They could. They, maybe they can sing, but they can't They can't do, I'm an Ailey. You know, like, I'm feeling myself. I'm an Ailey boy. <laughs> I'm out here. So the choreography, it's, it's time, and we're learning the choreography, and it's clear that the choreographer and I are made. I know how to work. Like, yeah. I know how to be in the room and get a show done and build a show. I went to a great school that taught me how to do that stuff. Right. I, I had already put on my own show at this point. Like, I I knew how to do this. So the choreographer and I built up a rapport right away. Right. I had the job. Right. I learned all the choreography. I knew it. I could slay it. The only thing that I might not have been able to do, if you've ever seen Memphis, there's this dude that does this <laughs> double tour to a split. Oh. And I was nervous. I, had, I ain't never done a clean double tour in my life. I can coach you on how to do it, but I ain't never done one in my life. So, like... Maybe, no, there was a summer where I was really killing it. <laughs> there was a summer where I hit a couple of them in Madame Darvish's class. But that this was not that summer. <laughs> so that, that time it already landed. So I knew that that was going to have to be a single. I was going to have to close my eyes and say a prayer and hope that it happened. That was the only thing, I'm being honest, that was yeah. the only thing I was worried about. Everything else. You had did. I was the one. And I knew he could get over. I knew that wasn't that important for what he wanted somebody to go do. Because no one in this room can do that double tour. I know no one in this room can do it to a split. At least right now. You might have to coach it, which give me six weeks, I'll be able to do it. Right. So music starts. I'm, it's clear the job is mine. The choreographer has decided he's only going to look at me. The only time in my life ever, I've been dancing since I was in the sixth grade. The only time, this is the only time in my life where the music came on and I forgot every step. I stood there and looked at him Damn. in the eyes. I started to look away because I, I like felt bad about it. And I said, nah, bro, if you're not going to dance, look him dead in the eyes and feel all this awkwardness. Because this it was shit. It was shit. What happened? It wasn't for me. I knew the choreography. I knew the steps, and I could do them better than everybody. And you know who got the job and went on to be dance captain of the show and, like, go on? The dude who I went to school with. Dang. It was for him. I've never that – was, that was bananas. And that's also just goes to show you, too, like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, what is for you and what's not for you. And I think a lot of times, especially with dancers, but also just with, with life in general, you can kind of think back to these moments where you were like, I really thought that I deserved that. Fact. And maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but there was a reason why you didn't get it. Fact. And And I think – I know I've been one to like dwell and like the like not getting it. And I think I'm as I'm getting a little bit older and kind of transitioning into different things, I'm learning uh, maybe not to dwell on the why I didn't get it, but like look and see what happened after I didn't get it. It's important. Which is a great segue too. So what happened when you didn't get it? So didn't get it and <laughs> didn't get Memphis. And what happened? I graduated college. And started work, started started working right away. Like started, yeah, what it work, yeah, what it work looked like, considering that you didn't want to audition. I was choreographing, I was coaching, and financially, I was making money working as a fundraiser for Obama's uh, campaign. 
Dang. What? But wait. So I was connected. Yeah, like how did that even happen? You were at Ailey. When the hell did you come into fundraising? I mean, so keep in mind, I this whole time I've always been like, you know, the guy who likes to network, who likes to be involved in mainstream culture. Right. I've never just been one, like in a, as a dancer, right? So even in college, I'm going out to like, you know, Cory Booker is running for mayor of New Jersey at the time. So like going to his fundraising events, going out to Bloomberg's, running for his third election. Right. And I'm realizing that a lot of the people that I see at these Ailey Galas, like I was the dude, when I would go to the Ailey Gala, yeah. I would memorize the names and bios of the five honorees that were being honored so that when I ran into them in that room, I knew what I could bring up to start a conversation. Hmm. Because most of my friends who are in college all over the country for business and all this, the CEO of United Airlines is at our gala. My, my boy works for United Airlines, one of their little offices. He can't get five minutes with this dude. Yeah, I can get it right now at this gala. Huh. And so I would make friends with you. Like I would go out and really build real strong relationships with very high net worth individuals as just some kid in college. And I thought it was just, this, it's cool to say these people are my friends. Yeah. When, it, when Obama came around, now you have a person that needs this financial connection. Yeah. And people that want to give this financial connection and no bridge. Yeah. And so I was able to help. Talk be, about being a bridge over troubled waters. You know what I mean? That is insane. It was special. See, and that sounds like even a transition there that happened right quite smoothly. Like that. And I, what I love is that it sounds like that was a really natural addition to the the person that was already growing. Like, yes, I know how to dance, but I also love talking to people yep. and knowing people in high places. Yeah. That is amazing. It was special. And I also like to think about, too, when I think about the word transitions, I feel like it can feel a little bit jarring for people, especially me, <clears throat> because it can feel like I'm doing something completely different. But what I love about that, uh, that becoming an opportunity after graduation is that it sounds like it was something, a skill that you had already been creating and Absolutely. cultivating so that to it to become a, a opportunity to make money it wasn't even a transition it was just something that you were already doing it was just like another plant that you had been watering yep. in addition to these other plants yeah and when i think about so before i even go there because i want you to kind of fill in the blanks before we go there so let's fast forward all the way now to what do you do oh man i'm jackie's fiance <laughs> that's what i do Right now. So right now I have a television show on this in production. I have, I produce TV content. I'm the director of the DMI Gibney. That's yes, a new thing. I've that's how I know Preston. Never worked a job before and this great position opened up. It was just like the, a perfect marriage of both, both worlds. I had some time, had some time where I could do other things as well and do this. And so it, it's, it's taught me a lot over the past couple months and so that's been really great um i produce content i coach i coach people through transitions i coach do. dancers through transitions explain that a bit it's bananas so if you're a nine-year-old who's getting ready to go into dance i'm really coaching you but i'm also coaching your parents right. through what this industry is if if you're going to call it serious right? right i'm coaching 16 17 year olds into the next college transition or into a company or second company right? based on wherever, wherever they are in life or, you know, where their skills place them. Right. And I'm coaching kids from college, every transition, college to company. If you're in a company, you want to be promoted. 
I'm the guy you call to help make that transition year. Or if you're a principal dancer who's been dancing for 20 years and it's time for you to transition to your next thing, yeah. I'm the guy you call. Hmm. So there's a, I Crazy found myself enough in this. that I picked you for the transitions episode. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. So given that, but I'm, I'm, that's a great, I think that's a great opportunity to ask. You see a lot of people that are hoping, when I think of the transitions that you just described, I think about a lot about what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we did this great training at Gibney where it was like, you get promoted because you're good at a thing. But oftentimes when I think about transitions, it's not that you're not good at a thing. It's that you want to be maybe better at something that you're not currently the best at. Hmm. Would you or you just want to grow in a way or grow in a field or in a in a in a section that you're you're just not as strong as you could be there. I like that one. So. Given that you've taken such huge what sounds like transitions, but also just additions, how do you, what's the biggest takeaway? What's the biggest thing that you are giving to these people as a, um, as something to hold on to? Cause it's a really, it's a really vulnerable place. It's a really, it's a really vulnerable place to be like, so good at this other thing. Mm-hmm. And like, not only like, dang, I really want to be good at this other thing, but you're like, what if I put in all this work and then I'm not as good as I thought I was supposed See, to be? That's the bullshit, right? <laughs> like that's the bullshit right there. I, so the Tell biggest me. thing I'm giving people is the confidence, right? They borrow my confidence until they build their own. That's really what it is, whether you're nine or whether you're 42 making this next thing. Because you got to consider we're performing artists. Yeah. So in order to get really great at our craft, we have to go in and analyze what we're really, really bad. And that's right. what the day-to-day is. If you're a dancer, you go stand in front of the mirror for eight hours a day and decide what's bad about you. That's right. what, and in order to fix it, but you have to judge it against the room, against the person sitting next to you. And if that's not enough, you have a motherfucker walking around the room <laughs> to tell you that what you're doing isn't as great as it could be. And in 2019, they're still not telling you exactly what you need to do to fix it. They're just telling you, hey, it's not your working. turnout's not working right now. Like, right. so all of those things build up this muscle of, well, I call it the BS muscle, right? But the muscle really is like, I'm not going to focus on what I'm bad at. Right. I'm bad at a million things. I'm really good at like three. So I'm gonna focus on those. Fuck what I'm bad at. Yeah. Like that's that's the that's really so that's the first thing, right? Then the yeah. second thing for performing artists really is to get the reality in perspective. And not to say that they're out of reality, but in terms of how you wanna live and make money and how you wanna be able to support yourself. Yeah. You can have every single dream you want, but now we have to be realistic about it. Are you gonna pirouette your way there? Is that realistic? Mm. Let's look at let's look at what that looks like in a in a realistic way. But then let's figure out how to take the value that you do have mm-hmm. that hasn't been tapped into because they've just been telling you you're just a dancer. Right. Let's figure out how we can take that real resource that makes you more than whatever they've tried to make you believe. Yeah. And turn that into what you want to get to your dream. Because yeah. being a dancer in a company is a nine to five. Right. That's working a nine to five. Right. No person in corporate America will ever be able to buy the yacht, the plane, the house they want working the nine to five, the dream working mm. the nine to five. They're going to have to do something special or they're going to be on a track that everyone who's at that level is on. It's nothing unique about that track, but the unique dream you have is something that you, you, you can create a track for it. Is that's what you're it. Saying. That's the only way to get it. Yeah. And what I like about what you said is that, so 
I'm going to go backwards and then I'm going to go forwards. But I like what you said ultimately was that there's this confidence, mm-hmm. which is so crazy when I think about it because I just finished notes from a back show. Shout out to Kwame. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's there is this, I call it like, uh, like Hustler's Ambition. Mm-hmm. I think about like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but like Get Rich and Die Trying. Yep. Um, this like, on like relentless like almost arrogance yep. like not only do i deserve to be here like it's just i just remember watching this interview i think about this all the time and i know kanye west is problematic so don't even start with me but i do remember this really great interview where he literally walked into what i believe was high school at the time and he walked up to his teacher and he was like you don't really even have to do this work because i'm gonna be famous and so like you telling me this stuff about this work that i'm supposed to be doing but i don't even really got to do this because like you're gonna be saying my name one day there's a ridiculous confidence there now i understand how his ridiculous confidence has created problems in his <laughs> current life facts but I, I do think... As we record this, his surrogate has, is going into birth. So Yes, I did hear. Congratulations, Kanye. Kanye and Kim. And Kim. But what I do, what I sit with and what I take from is that, like, relentless confidence. That there's no room that I don't deserve to be in. There's no dream that I'm not Fact. supposed to have. Only because, you know, I've been really thinking about, like, I am my greatest asset. Fact. Like you kind of have to walk into the room like, yo, I'm the shit. Who's be- who? Who's more important than me? To like, me. <laughs> and who's supposed? Who's and you gonna try explain to me that somebody should be more important to me than me? That's what you're gonna try to make me feel like I'm a bad person for feeling like that. Oh, I have time for this. <laughs> you know, like that is a conversation I have time for. It's not. I don't even view it as ego anymore because. Honestly, Jesus had to have some type of ego. Gandhi had to have some type of ego in order to lead people somewhere. Yeah. There has to be a a wild belief in what you're doing. Yeah, and I don't even know if I consider it ego because I also have been thinking. So those for those who don't know, I no longer work at Gibney full time. Uh Your girl is out here doing other things. Yeah, yeah. And um, I this. And that is a big transition for me because for those who don't know, um, I had worked for Gibney for two years. I felt like I was supposed to peak at Gibney. So when it didn't happen and other things happened, I was a bit shook. Mm-hmm. But I remember feeling what I'm feeling now about two and a half years ago when I broke up with my longtime person at the time. And I just remember this this thing I saw on social media and it was like, yo, I know what I bring to the table. So I don't mind sitting alone. Fact. And so I think about like, I think about like Martin Luther King. I think about, you know, Harriet Tubman. I think about fucking Lena Waithe. I think about Janelle Monae. Um, I think about these beautiful black leaders. Um, you could throw Gandhi in there, but he ain't black. But, and what I look at honestly is not necessarily. I don't really see an ego, but I knew that I know that they are very clear about what they bring to the table. Period. I know that they're very clear about their assets and. What I do love about Janelle specifically, Janelle spoke highly about like when she decided to become an artist full time, she went to therapy because she was like, look, if I'm going to be saying these things to these people, I got to make sure I come correct too. Like mm-hmm. I, I have to be as critical of myself and what I'm good and bad at, what my strengths, what my weaknesses are, because people are going to do the same. They're going to do the same when they're looking at me. See, this is where I think ego comes in in a negative way. Yeah. Tell me. Because you have to have that boundary, right? But then you have to also keep in line with the fact that most people aren't doing that work. Right. And you still have to be able to meet them where they are. Yep. 
even though you're doing all this work and you see that they that this work is you know it's necessary for you yeah let me still come down off the pedestal of having done like yo imagine if i had to carry some shit for you and then come back to you yeah like yo and you can feel some type of way but and i only bring that up because i think sometimes um I know my mom calls me selfish sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and I know how much people have a um a a a, a deep conversation around ego, but I want to I would love to offer this bridge of like how does ego become uh when is ego healthy when is ego just a boundary of like I don't have to I can I can choose what I'm willing to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then I can choose what path I need to take. Like, ultimately, it is my choice. Whereas I feel like, too, before I was ready to make the transition to leave Gibney, I felt really stuck and really trapped. I felt like what I was, what was in front of me was the highest I was ever going to see. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the best and the most resources I would ever see. Mm-hmm. And not only did I see, I'm thinking that if I leave, I'm somehow being banished to <laughs> this place of lack and this place of uh, no resources. Right. Um, and so that's why I think ego is important, right? Because then I can talk to myself and be like, no, you, you, you bring other things to the table. And just because you don't have to sit at this table doesn't mean that there isn't another table for Fact. you. And I think sometimes with transitions, there's that, like, fear. Well, so I, that's the, like... That's the part where I think ego, ha- you you need it, right? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have, when it comes time to do something new or something that you know you've been supposed to be doing, like I don't think ego is the right word for it actually because not like the more I think about it, in 2019, it's just something that we need. But I because of how, how what our society has grown to where we are right now. Yeah. But I don't think it's this universal spiritual thing that we actually have to be in touch with. But we are mm. definitely all in touch with it right now. Yeah. At this point in time. So like in 2019, this the way that you deal with they try to make people who are good feel bad. Right. Whoever they are. Like that's right. I'm I'm a dude that really likes jelly donuts, right? <laughs> So when I eat a jelly donut and I have like je- powder or jelly on my on my what clothes or whatever, and I'm out here brushing it off, there are people that will walk by me on the street and be like, "Oh, this ch- this kid slob," this sl- you know, he like clearly don't know how to eat his I, food. I love jelly donuts. I'm a great guy. I'm doing. I'm living in my best life. You know, like I'm I'm gonna be hella confident about that when I go up to people. And like there are people. You know, like the kid in school who comes up to you and is like, I need a friend. Will you be my friend? Yeah. There are people that won't be that kid's friend and there are people that will be that kid's right. friend. I'm the guy that's going to be that kid's friend. Yeah. And so, like, I've already gotten to the point of if you're a good person. Yeah. If you don't have anything to hide, if you yeah. don't have anything to be ashamed about, if you're yeah. a good person, then be that confidently. Like, be loud about yeah. being that. Yeah. That's something to be proud of because I, I can, like, t- maybe I hurt your feelings. But I'm here for the conversation about right. what, if I really did that, or if I'm responsible for that, and if I right. am, I'm here to own it. I'm here to like right. no doubts about. I have there's no gray area with this confidence of like oh if this comes up, you know I'm gonna have to do this. No, I'm living in a great truth. Right and yeah and and also too like I can't. Be, I just want to be speak for myself. I can't only be confident in the things that I'm great at. Yeah. Like I similar to what you're saying in terms of like ownership, I have to be confident of the fact that like I disassociate. 
I look at Facts. things objectively as a way to avoid any kind of emotional entanglement because yep. I think emotional entanglement takes more work and sometimes I just don't think people are worth that much work. Yeah. Is that something I'm working on? Yes. But what as I transition through um this leaving one job and going through the next, at least I own where I am. So yep. like I go into at least I went in, there was an interview that I did recently and I was like what are you guys' issues or have you had any issues around racial equity? Because I want to be very clear that even if I don't handle race and equity issues to your standard or to this person's standard, I want you to know that that's something that I'm aware of mm -hmm. and I know that that might make you uncomfortable and I'm willing to have that conversation because if I don't have that conversation, you're not going to have me as an employee for very long. Right. I think sometimes too with uh, with confidence, there's like, a, oh, um, I gotta be really confident about the thing that I'm really, really good at, but then I'm like, just just don't mention the thing that I'm bad at. I am confident talking about the thing I'm bad at. Yeah, right, because like, I personally believe that like, if I can't talk about the thing that I'm bad at, it's probably gonna have some kind of power over me. Fact. And so. And what are you supposed to be good at everything? Right. You're supposed to put up 100 perfect shots? Right, right. Nah. And even if you do, like that's what I love so much about memoirs you get to see people who are really extraordinary but even within their extraordinariness they had to be critical about something like even mm -hmm. if they put out a hundred shots maybe they were doing it unhealthily mm -hmm. like Dwayne Wade recently retired mm -hmm. and he talks about how like man I just love the game if I put 50 points up on that board it's because I'm mad mm -hmm. right so you have these ways of succeeding that maybe you didn't do it the way that you thought you should and so you get these opportunities to redo it so that there's this uh, malleability that I'd like to think about in transitions. There's this opportunity to grow and shift. And in growing and shifting, you can't be perfect or um, the best. You can't even desire to be the, there, there can't even be a concept. Like that's the thing I think, when I'm, when I'm helping a nine-year-old or the 42-year-old, there's a 42-year-old client I have right now who's a principal ballerina at a very big company. She wants to be an artistic director. She, yeah. de she deserves to be an artistic director of right. a very big company one day. The, same, the thing that they have in common and everybody in between them has in common yeah. is, number one, they both fall in love with how, how they want their dream to happen. Yeah. And that's, that's a no-go. That's no Don't be romantic about how it's happening. Right. Focus on the goal. You want the goal to happen. It doesn't matter how how the goal happens. Right. As long as we don't compromise ourselves. Right. The goal just has to happen. Yeah. So if this is a no, then this might be a yes, and maybe this is the uncomfortable one. It might be two weeks of being yeah. uncomfortable, but yeah. the goal is gonna happen. Yeah. So that's the first one, right? Not being romantic about how things happen, just letting them happen. And then the second one is reveal, like knowing having a realistic view of w what you've done. Yeah. A realistic view, meaning that like a great stat for LeBron James, who's one of the best, let's say Kevin Durant's the best shooter in the NBA, right? right? Kevin Durant still is going to go like 17 for 35, and right. that's less than half. Right. And that's 35 attempts and 75, 17 shots made. Yep. Right. That's less than half. Right. So like, I can, I can, I gotta be, I think like when we're kids, this is why I try to stay the forever kid. This is the Mickey Mouse. When we're kids, think of it like a movie, right? Right. Spider-Man starts off, Spider-Man's my least favorite character, by the way. Spider-Man <laughs> starts off and go, the movie starts, he's helping save the world, it's going really great. And then the bad guy comes and knocks him down. He's down now. Right. In a movie and when we're kids, 
Spider-Man gets back up and figures it out. Right. There's like 30 minutes where he's down and out and right. then he's still going though. Right. And he gets up and he fights again and kicks the bad guy's ass. Right. When we get older, we start taking these L's and we like stop to mourn the wounds yeah. for too long. Yeah. And we end up believing that like, oh no. We deserve to be down. I'm not Spider-Man. There's, the world doesn't need a superhero. Right. <laughs> well, imagine if that was like what superheroes did. Nah, that's not that's not it. This big this big big shit over here. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna figure it out. I love that analogy. That's probably one of my favorite analogies. Yeah, and I used to so those who don't know, I used to be a tutor. Really? Yes, it was one of my favorite jobs. Okay. Um I was a tutor in college. Uh shout I have out to questions about this now. Texas A&M Writing Center. It was a great great job and uh, a big part of especially around this season was college uh, college applications when you were going into higher education. So okay. this would be grad school, this would be PT school, this would be if you're going um, for med school, it's a huge one too. And um, one of the biggest critiques that I would, uh, or one of the biggest things that I would offer, but maybe it was a bit critical, would be like, I would always try to close the session with saying like, yo, you're the only you we've got. Yep. Nobody can do or be you better than you can be yeah so this essay has to be like you and i think for a really long time especially for me and i think that's why i really wanted to do this episode especially with performing i remember guys if you remember i did an episode on capacity and working beyond your capacity i think a part of me had internalized this position of like i didn't deserve to be seen or if I deserved to be seen, I was only supposed to be seen in a certain way. Wow. Um, in a way that was comfortable for other people. Yeah. Um, I'm not a super, I can be confrontational, but I don't like to do the emotional labor of confrontation. So like if you, if I'm coming for you, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> I got time. Uh, yeah, but I'm not <laughs> one to make time for that. So I would in some ways rather kind of like go to the, fade to the background just because it's easier. Mm-hmm. But I think as I'm transitioning, uh, coming out of Jasmine Hearn's process, shout out to Jasmine, and feeling really confident, like I bring something to the table, mm-hmm. it's an extraordinary feeling. And I think, too, that like, I think it's an extraordinary feeling because I once was at a place of like, you know, I think I'm realizing I don't think I deserve, I don't think I thought I was valid in terms of being seen. Yeah. And so I hope that, guys, as you listen to this episode, you know, too, that, like, wherever you are, be you grieving or mourning or whatever, at the end of the day, we only got one Katie. We only got one Preston. We only got one of each of us. And we're all supposed to be seen in the way that we decide to be seen. Yeah. No one else has to dictate that. Period. And I just think that that's, I just think that that's prices. And, yeah, guys, I always talk about the podcast being like my way of performing and so i really really feel that way about this conversation i have a question for you yeah go for it you were helping you were a tutor yeah and so when you're a teacher for somebody you're helping them through a transition essentially right like transitioning from some of them trash grades to good grades or i would never say that (laughs) whatever trash writing to good writing. i would never call their writing trash either (laughs) well that's why you were the tutor i'm sure clearly i'll bet you when they called their parents and told them they needed a tutor the parents hung up the phone and, and trash was thrown around <laughs> once or twice. The word. says <laughs> No. At, at some point, you're helping someone move through a transition, right? Yeah. And they have to learn. They have to be open to learning yeah. through that. What was that experience like for you dealing with people who are in a vulnerable space? Um, 
I really, my default is always like homegirl. It's like cheerleader. I'm like, look, uh, especially when I was in college, because I think that was when I was finding my voice as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also just kind of finding where I stood about things. I was very less, I would give you the grammatical stuff because I know that that's what a lot of people wanted. And also too, that was something that I really pressed. I'm going to give you what you want. I'm not going to give you anything more. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give you anything less Mm -hmm. unless I feel like you're ready for more. Because there were some people that really just wanted to talk to me. Their paper was just something that got them through the door. Yeah. And so that could be us just like just shooting the breeze. Me telling jokes. Yeah. I I want above all, especially with the podcast, would be whomever kicks it with me. I want you to know that, like, I just want you what you want. Yeah, I want you to be the best that you can be. I think especially with medical school and I went to really like I went to a research institution. So there's a lot of like pressure. Yeah. I want people to feel confident about their skills. I can give you, you know, explanations around subordinate clauses versus um, whatever the opposite is. I can't remember right now. Mm-hmm. I can give you that insubordinate clauses. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> but I don't think that's a thing, though. I don't think needless to say, so, like I could talk to you a million miles about coordinating conjunctions and code switching and how um, tone and voice and character analysis is all important. Yeah, that I can give you. I cannot. I can give you that, but I can't make you a confident writer and I can't make you love writing. I can't. I'm just listening to you. I don't even think I can underline the subject of <laughs> the verb at this point. Yes, <laughs> the difference between the verb and the verb. I can give you the nuts and bolts, but ultimately when it comes to like what you bring to the table yeah. and feeling confident in that, yeah, that's on you. And so I just want to make sure that like even if you just sit with me, you know I believe in you. Like you have a believer in me. I'm always on your team. I trust you. I trust your choices. I'm going to obviously be critical about where your choices are landing and how they may make your audience feel. But ultimately, I try to give people the most authority that they can possibly have. Because ultimately, I feel like a lot of that was taken from me at certain points. And so if I can give that to somebody... Like makes you a great teacher. Oh, why? Thank you. I be trying or whatever. You know, I that hope makes that. you a great teacher. <laughs> I be trying or whatever. Uh, but and I and I I bring that up. Oddly enough, that you bring that up now, and I think that's so relevant to what we're talking about now. Like, y'all, I started this podcast because like these conversations weren't being had. Yeah. And if they were being had, they weren't being had around dancers. Yeah. And if they weren't being had around dancers, they were so personal. Yeah. Right. Like they would be after performance or like when I was working at the front desk. And some, I, some some weak shit. I don't think it's weak <laughs> shit, but I think it's important for it's a moment in time. Like you capture this. It's not a human moment. You capture an artist after a performance. It's hard to come back down and have a human moment. They're in a moment. They're in a different moment. It's a it's just different. And so but given that it is different, I just wanted people to be able to turn something on every week yep. and know that like. Katie's rooting for you. Yeah. I believe in whatever you believe in, in terms of you. Obviously, I want to be critical about things so that we kind of figure out where we understand and where our understanding is so that we can grow. But ultimately, y'all, I genuinely do believe we all making it out here. Hell yeah. And I hope that this conversation is uh, just an aid in all the efforts that you're already pursuing. This is amazing. <laughs> I want to I want to add to that aid because this is like the summary of what this conversation is about. Fuck your losses. <laughs> Fuck anyone that wants to judge your losses. I'm the only person that can judge my losses. <laughs> and, and and fuck that too. Fuck feeling bad about something <laughs> just because you're not good at it. Like, 
you really I just need to get an extra pirouette. Like let's let's not that all the way down to my house is too small. Whatever it is that you're <laughs> like f- fuck that too. Like this is this is life we live in and we're out here to really make a contribution and to add value, not have life add value to us. Cause yeah. We're, we're adding value to this thing. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing this for a long time. So we gotta make it better and better and better every day. And that's the that's, that's the, the journey. Dream. And that's what we're doing. Thank you for having me here. This is Thank a, you. I feel like if if Sandra Bland had made it this far, yeah, this would be the version of what we would be doing, Kings and Queens. This is what she Dang. would be trying to do. This is this is some real King and Queen shit. I appreciate it. And I really do want to shout Sandra out because Say your name. the incident. So I was really um I st- I steered away from like all of the footage and things in the case, but I do believe she got arrested on a road that I drove to very frequently wow. to get to school. And so I just wow. I just wanna like peace and love to her family, to the offices involved in that because that road is a very common road because it's really close to shout out to PV. I think Perry it's like Sandra Bland now. Uh, as it, as I hope it should be because I hope that that creates a larger conversation. But just shout out to you. I just realized that like two days ago. Yeah, that's and wild. It's you know the church. Uh no, I just know that road because that's how you get to that's how you get to College Station. Okay, and you got to pass up PV. Okay. So yeah, Preston, where can the people find you? People can find me in these streets. I mean, you you can find an Instagram page. You're probably not going to find me on it too much. Uh, it's P-M-L-L-R. Uh, you can find me. You know what? If you have you, a website, no? Yeah, it's a coaching website. You know, if you want some coaching through transition, you can find me on TDACoach.com. That's the, hey now. the danceartistcoach.com. We're dealing with all ages, confidently, the nine-year-olds who have their life figured out, and the 42-year-olds who don't know what the <laughs> fuck is coming next, <laughs> and everybody in between. We're here the to learn irony. together and be great. Anything else? Uh, any, any other places where I can find you? Anything upcoming that we can be on the lookout for? You can be on the lookout for the universe is going to cosmically shift because in the year of 2021, me and my twin flame are getting married. Hey and so now. you can look out for, you just, everyone's just going to be feeling a little bit more loving. We're getting an episode with you. We're just putting that, you and Jackie. Jackie, I know you're going to listen to this episode. The queen. Please don't think I'm not thinking about you. The queen. We're totally going to have you on this podcast. <laughs> the queen. I don't know how we're going to do this, but it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. I'm here for it. Yes, I'm here. I'm I'm actually excited to hit that. Would yeah, I'm excited. That would be bananas. To it's hear gonna be on the so podcast. epic. Yeah, it's so gonna be so epic. So as always, guys, I want you to make it live. I want you to make it breathe. And even though there may be some sticky transitions, I just want you to make it. Bye, guys. Thanks, y'all.